0: Welcome to the Reach College Podcast with your speaker, Pastor Taylor Gap. He's in opposition to God's plan right now. He ends up still furious and angry. anyone ever done one of those like uh, Spartan races or mud runs no okay there we go got a few yeah when I was when I was in the military one of my favorite things to do was obstacle courses that's why I won't pay to do a mud run because I've done it for free so um, but uh, but that was actually one of my favorite things to do uh, I did a bunch of uh, really cool ones I actually did a couple that I saw on TV as a kid like when I, because I wanted to be in the military for a long time, and so I I remember watching a like a special forces documentary that talked about this obstacle course called Nasty Nick, and it's like one of the most famous obstacle courses in the military. And I remember the first day that I was standing at the front of Nasty Nick, and I was like, I'm about to do this, like I'm about to actually do this obstacle course. So it was you know kind of like meeting your celebrity kind of thing. But um, but I, I really enjoyed that those experiences. I really liked getting to do them. Um well there was this one obstacle on Nasty Nick, and it was basically just this uh tunnel that you had to crawl through. And I mean it was like plenty big. It's dark, but it was the longest tunnel I had ever crawled through on any obstacle course. Just like three solid minutes of just crawling through this tunnel. And that's like that's a long time when you're just like literally just going through the darkness, just like, well, I hope this tunnel ends someday. And I remember that there was this weird thing that happened that I have never seen in a tu- in a in an obstacle course before. I wasn't like I wasn't prepared for this. Eventually the tunnel came out into like an open space that was still pitch black. Like I was still inside of something. And so I like I'm standing up. I'm not in a tunnel anymore and I'm like feeling the walls and I'm just like I I don't know where to go. And so finally as I'm feeling the walls, I feel a second tunnel. Like, not the one I just came out of. It's, like, slightly higher. And I'm, like, okay. Like, I guess I'm supposed to go in this tunnel. And there's, like, a traffic cone in it. And I'm, like, uh, all right. Well, this is weird. So I get in that, this tunnel and I start crawling. And I've got a I've got a helmet on and I'm, like, crawling through this tunnel. And as I go, the, the tunnel starts to get smaller. And as I keep going, eventually, I'm literally on my like my belly and I'm like dragging myself through this tunnel and it's still getting smaller. And I'm thinking to myself there are like there are like bigger guys than me that have already gone through this obstacle. How do they get through this tunnel? And there's literally a guy behind me like coming in behind me just and it, we're just crawling through this tunnel and it's just getting smaller and smaller. And eventually finally my helmet gets stuck and I'm like well nobody can get through if the helmets are getting stuck we're all wearing these helmets. And so I'm like, okay. So I call back to this guy and I'm like, hey, we're going the wrong way. Like, clearly. I don't know what the right answer is because we were both in that same room that's just pitch black. There's only one other option, but this is clearly wrong. So he starts backing up. And then I go to back up and my belt buckle, my uniform belt buckle, gets hooked on a rock. So I can't go backwards and I can't go forwards. I am stuck in the back of this tiny, tiny tunnel. And I'm like pancake like I can't even push up to get my belt over the rock I'm pinned and I start to panic I'm like I'm gonna die right here in this tunnel there's only one person that knows I'm here and so I I sit there and then I thought to myself you know what no matter what is like no matter what is going to happen if I freak out I'm not gonna help like I'm it's not gonna get better and so I sat there for a second and I'm like okay my only chance is to take the helmet off, go another two or three inches in, and try to clear this rock going back. So I I do that. I take the helmet off, I push myself in further, and then as I slide back, I like, like I can't, you know, I can't even like my elbows won't go up. That's how tiny the space is that I'm in. So I literally am having to like lift myself up and get my belt buckle over this rock, and then I grab my helmet and panic scurry all the way out of the tunnel. Now when I get all the way back to the open space, they have opened this hatch on the top and the Sun is shining in and there is clearly a third tunnel that is even higher up and as soon as I step on the middle tunnel and look down the third tunnel I can see the light at the end of the third tunnel that is the entr the exit and I'm like huh <laughs> <laughs> pretty obvious option if I had known there was a third it was literally above my head so I would have had to have been feeling the walls like this right so I couldn't see the third tunnel I was blind to it I couldn't see that there was clearly the way out because if I could have looked down it and seen the light I'd have been good instead I actually moved a traffic cone that in hindsight was there to stop me from climbing down that tunnel and climb down the wrong tunnel all the way to the point where I was stuck this is exactly how we act in our lives now I want to say something, this is not a dating sermon. But this in this particular passage on Judges, Samson is dealing with a relationship issue. And so the analogy to your lives when it comes to dating is, is readily available. So there is going to be some reference to that. Because honestly, this is how we act in our lives. We find the, the person that we want. We ignore the traffic cone at the entrance and go, you know, clearly this, this is the right way. This is the way I should go. We pick that person. We're blind to anything telling us to stop. And we go until we're stuck. We go until we're engulfed in something that is, that is going to eat us. And this isn't, by the way, just dating. This is how we, we handle all of our lives. We're constantly ignoring God's signs to stop us from going away. And if we would just be able to look down the right tunnel, we could actually probably see this is a better way to go. The thing is, like, we don't even know that that one exists. We don't even know there's another option. We just look for what we want and we chase it until we're stuck. So we're in a series on Judges. We're talking about Samson. We've, we saw last week his birth. Um, and the interesting thing about Samson is Samson is a judge with act- absolutely no desire to do what God has for him. He's, he doesn't care to judge uh, the people. He doesn't care to... to I mean, what, and what do we know a judge is? A judge isn't just like a judicial judge like we see today. It's basically a deliverer. He's somebody who's supposed to bring deliverance to the people. And right now, they're being oppressed by the Philistines. But we notice that for the first time in the book of Judges, they're not crying out for deliverance because this is the status quo now. They're totally comfortable integrating and being a part of what the Philistines are doing, an idol-worshiping pagan nation. They've stopped being the people of God, and even their judge doesn't seem to care. And we're going to watch as Samson finds his own way, as he is blind... To what God is doing, as He literally m- removes any obstacles from what God is doing, and uh, as He gets stuck, as He gets hemmed up because of His own decisions and His own pride. So the first thing we see, I've called this, I've called this sermon, I Know the Way. Ultimately, at some level, all of us are still laboring under this idea that we know the way that we know what we should be doing, the right way to go. And we're going to see Samson decide that he knows the way. And the first step in this is finding our own way. Samson is not even going to look for God's path. Look at verses 1 through 4. Then Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines, so now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all the people that you have to go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Yet Samson said to his father, Get her for me because she is right for me. However, his father and mother did not uh, um, sorry, his father and mother did not know that this was of the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion against the Philistines, and at that time the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Okay. Samson sees the woman he wants. I, like, I, I don't even need to, like, delve into that. That's literally how we treat everything. I mean, that's, that is how we treat dating, right? We see the person that we're attracted to and have decided. like this, and, and a lot of times, it just takes them being in the right setting. Like, if I see the person I am attracted to and they're in church, bam, it's settled. Like, like that, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> right? But the reality is, that is not the way that God has for us to find what He has for us. Right? Now, the, Samson... Sees a Philistine woman. We know right off the bat that that's not what God has for him because God does not have for his people to intermarry with these pagan, uh, with these pagan, uh, groups that they should have already killed off and removed from the land. Right? So he's automatically not supposed to be doing this. And his parents have an interesting response. First of all, Samson goes to his parents and he doesn't say, hey, help me out on this. Help me think through this. What, what should I be doing? What should No, he goes and he says, I saw her. Go get her. This is what I want. She's right for me. He's already made a determination. You know that God puts authorities in our life for a reason? They're designed as safeguards. They're supposed to help us steer away from pitfalls and bad options. And if you are the kind of person that's walking around with no authorities in your life, you are headed for some pitfalls. You're headed for some real problems. So Samson just says, no, this is what I want. This is it. She's the woman for me. She's right for me. And then, uh, what is his parents' only objective, uh, objection? They pay attention to what they're objection, objecting to. They say the uncircumcised Philistines, they're not actually worried that she's not an Israelite. They're worried that, that this, this particular group, the Philistines, because they weren't technically like Canaanites, they were an inferior race in his parents' eyes. So this has everything to do with just, I mean, you could do better than that. Like, you, you don't have to marry this woman. Like, they're not even suggesting it for righteous reasons or for following God or because she's a pagan idol worshiper. They're just saying, really, a Philistine? I mean, come on, right? And that's about it. So even this, what, what should be his God-given authority in his life as parents who, who should steer him to right actions, they don't even do that. Why? Because the status quo in Israel has become coexistence. They are coexisting with sin, with idols, with pagans. Are you coexisting in your life with sin? Because it will swallow you up. It will change you to be like it. You can't coexist with sin. It has to be completely eradicated, completely removed from your life. Samson was dedicated before birth to be the judge, to be a Nazarite, which means he should be attacking the Philistines, not getting married to them. Well, here's the reality: if you've become a Christian, God has for you to to fight sin, to rid the world of the devil's work, and not join with it, not intermingle with it and play with it, and the only justification is, this is right for me. That's the epitome of what we do when we find our way. We say, this is right for me. This is what seems right. I saw it. I liked it. It must be the right answer. Why are we determined to be smarter than God? Like, why are we determined to say, like, I know what's best for me at all times. You know, there's this weird duality at this age too, because we spend our childhood not knowing what's going on. And we look at adults and we think adults get it. They get it. They know what's going on. Then we become adults. And we realize adults have no idea what's going on. And yet we still pretend like we know what's going on. So every single one of you is well aware of how unequipped you are to make any decisions. And yet, You don't stop to ask God to help you make decisions, to ask authorities to help you make decisions, to help you figure out what you should be doing. You just find your own way. I know the way. Are you looking for God's path at all? Notice that Samson at no point even debates that there's another option, that God may have something different. He's just doing his own thing. He has decided. In verse 4, uh, we see the continuation of what actually happens at the end of the last chapter. At the end of uh, chapter 13, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him when he was in uh, Mahanadan. So the point is, God has initiated this. And in verse 4, he says he was seeking an occasion. Listen, I want to, before we go any further in the story, before we see how this unfolds, don't you to understand something? If Samson had been about what God was about, he would have participated in God's plan by obedience and then gotten joy from it. Instead he's going to participate because God is going to be working against him and then when he participates unwillingly because God's plan and will will not be foiled, he ends up angry and, and losing what he wanted. Samson doesn't win in this chapter and yet he's still a part of what God's doing and if only he had participated willingly and in obedience we, this story is 100% different. So the question is, in your life, are you finding your own way? Or are you understanding that God is about something and you can participate in that? You can be a part of it. Samson finds his own way and then we see that he is going to be blind to the way. See, because sin blinds our way. It stops us from seeing what we should see. See, I literally moved a traffic cone that was designed to stop me from going that way. I said, you know, it'll be fine. This is clearly the right answer. And then I just took off down this tunnel, right? And that's what we do. We're blind to the reality of what God is what God has the other option and we're just like, I see the red flag, but I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to move on down this tunnel. Look at verse 5. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and he came as far as the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came roaring towards him. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, so that he tore it apart as one tears apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Alright, every, I want you to understand something, every single Bible character, including Jesus by the way, has a testing period where they are you know, they're basically built up to do God's will. They, they spend time training and trusting in God. Now Jesus models the perfect version of this right? He goes into the wilderness and he just trusts God uses the word of God and walks by faith in that wilderness experience. Well, pretty much every other Bible character kind of glimpse through that. But the point is they all have the same process. They all go into the wilderness, they all experience God's provision and deliverance when they're in a time of need, and they're all built up to understand and trust the Lord. So this is Samson's moment. We we see this by the way with David. David eventually kills Goliath, right? But before David kills Goliath, he says, well, God let me overcome the lion and, and the bear that were attacking the sheep, right? Those were his train up moments where he saw God's provision and he said, God delivered those moments for me. He'll certainly deliver Goliath. Well, this is almost the same exact picture. God is about to build Samson up to do something in his will. So he starts by giving him this moment where he sees God's provision. The spirit of the Lord rushes upon him and he defeats a lion. I am not trying to fight a lion, okay? And that literally, like, that should be a terrifying moment where you die. But instead, Samson overcomes this lion, right? He wins, okay? It's designed to show him that God is with him. So why does he not tell his parents? I read a couple of explanations for that. One one was that he's unaware that... Uh, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, but here's why I'm not satisfied with that answer. If he was unaware, we know Samson well enough to know, at this point, that he would be super gloating about this. He would have gone back to his parents and like, I just killed a lion. That's how awesome I am. Right? So he clearly knows that the Spirit of the Lord is the reason he killed this lion, and he chooses not to glorify God. He chooses not to go God's way. He chooses to not praise Jesus. Does God ever give you the deliverance that you've been looking for? I mean, this is a crisis moment. You didn't know a lion was coming. He didn't pray about that beforehand. All of a sudden, there's a lion there. God delivers him, and he doesn't praise God for that. Is God delivering you in your life, and you're not responding with praise and worship? As he does something miraculous for you, you just kind of bebop on? That's exactly what Samson does right here. Just, he's like, oh, cool. Killed a lion. Moving on. Right? And so, he doesn't bring glory to God. And, uh, and then look in verse 7. So he went down and talked to the woman, and she, and she looked pleasing to Samson. When he returned, when he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey, were in the body of the lion. So he took out the honey on his hands and went on eating as he went. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he took the honey out of the body of the lion. Then his father uh, his father went down to the woman and Samson held a feast there, for the young men customarily did this. When they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Okay, so... um. First of all, I just want to point out that this is probably the first time that Samson's ever actually spoken to this woman. Uh, if that doesn't convict you, it should. Uh, because I don't, I listen, I don't know how many times I see young people that are just like, they're the one for me. After like a couple of texts. And it's like, I hate to tell you this, but there's just no way you know that yet. You know, and, and that's what Samson's doing. He's like, you know, she's really hot. So like that's, I'm I'm totally in. She seems right for me. Okay? He has decided this, and this is really the first time that he's actually interacted with her. But he's totally enamored. He's totally made his own decision. On the way down, though, he stops by the corpse of the lion. Now, Jews were commanded not to eat anything that came from something defiled, and dead bodies automatically defiled. So, so at a baseline, taking this honey is against Israelite law right but now we're gonna amp it up he's also a Nazarite Nazarites were commanded to stay away from dead bodies so he is showing a complete disregard for who he has been called to be he's not living up to his Nazarite vow that he knows God called him before birth to be a certain kind of person and now he's just doing whatever he wants he sees this honey and he says "Hey, that looks delicious I'm gonna take some and then check this out he involves his parents in that sin. I want you to hear me out on this. There's a lot of you that probably have a private and secret sin, and I want you to know that even though you cannot see directly how that sin affects other people around you, it is not only affecting you. Sin always has consequences and collateral damage to the people that we love. If you are stuck in a private sin, that sin will hurt everyone around you even if you're not seeing it. So he goes and he involves his parents and then he goes to a feast. And I want you to understand that the Hebrew word used for feast here is actually the word that means drinking festival. We also know that Nazarites aren't supposed to drink wine. So this is two strikes. He's already broken two of the three things that Nazarites are commanded not to do. He does not care about God's plan. And then he's given 30 companions. These are Philistines. Um, I read something that said these these are probably guards because the Philistines were, you know, they're, they're somewhat afraid of him or whatever. I don't know how accurate that claim is. I will say this. If nothing else, it shows a complete integration of the judge, the person called by God in this moment, with a pagan nation. He's taking part in their customs He's got their companions. Notice there's no Israelite companions there. He is totally engulfed in this pagan and evil culture, right? And those are the people that are with him at this wedding. Uh, and And then let's look at verse 12. Then Samson said to them, Let me now propose a riddle for you. If you actually tell me the answer within the seven days of the feast and solve it, then I will give you thirty linen wraps and thirty outfits of clothes. But if you are unable to tell me, then you shall give me thirty, uh, 30 linen wraps and thirty outfits of clothes. And they said to him, Propose your riddle so that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. But they could not tell the answer to the riddle in three days. So Samson is now showing how much of a friend he is, right? He's been given, he's integrating in this culture. He's been given these fake friends or guards, whatever they are. And he's going to show just how selfish he is. He's going to make a bet. Now clothing back in this time is not cheap. Like like 30 outfits of clothes would have been an incredibly expensive bet, right? So he's saying each one of you will have to give me one and I'll give each one of you one if I lose, Right, So this is a huge bet. And so they say, okay, let's hear it. And then he gives them a riddle. Now I want you to understand, this riddle in Hebrew is six words. From the eater, out came eats, three words. From the strong, out came sweets. Now here's the interesting thing. If you're them, first of all, you're looking at the wedding for context. Like you think it has something to do with what I see around me. But we know already that that the eater should be strong and that eats should be sweet, but how on earth is the strong eater the one producing the sweet eats? That's the riddle. That's what they don't understand. And again, they're looking around at the wedding and they're like, well, he's strong, but he's not giving us food, but I don't understand. Like, they 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 can't figure this out, right? Now, we have the background, so we know exactly what he's talking about, right? But to them, this would have been... Virtually an unsolvable riddle. Here's what I want you to notice. Samson is totally blind to what God is doing right now. God is providing a way for there to be a contention and a provocation and there to be judgment brought down on the Philistines by Samson. But Samson doesn't see this. Not only does he not see it, but he's actually leading other people to sin. I think back to that tunnel and I feel so bad for the guy that crawled down there with me. That guy was like, well, he's going down there. Must be the right way to go, right? That's what we do when we sin. We take people the wrong way. And that's exactly what Samson's doing right now. He is the smartest person around. Right now, he is in control of the situation. He is outsmarting everybody. And what does the Bible say about pride? That it goes before the fall. That God opposes the proud. And we're going to see God oppose Samson. See, as I crawled down that tunnel, it got smaller and smaller and smaller, and honestly, I should have taken the cue way before I actually got stuck. But I said, this this has got to be the right way. I'm going to keep crawling. And I didn't even try to go back until I got stuck going forward, and then I was so far down, I got stuck trying to go backward. It was a bad situation because... Our pride, our sin, it doesn't just lead us the wrong direction. It binds us there. It tries to hold us down and stop us. So now we're going to see the binding of our way. Samson is about to get stuck. Look in verse 15. Then it came about on the fourth day that they said to Samson's wife... Entice your husband so that he will tell us the riddle, or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us to impoverish us? Is this not so? So Samson's wife wept in front of him and said, You only hate me, and you do not love me. You have proposed a riddle to the sons of my people, and you have not told it to me. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told it to my father and my mother, so should I tell you? However, she wept before him for seven days while their feast lasted, and on the seventh day he told her because she pressed him so hard. Then she told the riddle to the sons of her people. In this portion right here, we're seeing every single character in the story do the same thing. Samson has gone his own way and is taking control. The Philistines go their own way to take control and they resort to violence. They say we're gonna kill you and your whole family if you don't fix this. And then even the woman she resorts to manipulation to what? Take control. Every single person in this story knows the way. They know what's right for them. They know what's best for them. They're doing it their own way. No one in this story is submitting to God. No one in this story is looking for what God is doing. They're all just taking control. And the sad part is, the judge looks the same as everybody else. No one in this story is living up to what God has called all humans to live up to, which is submission to Him, obedience to Him, humility. Guys, you should love and protect the woman that God gives you. You should lead her towards Christ-likeness. Samson is not doing that for this woman, even a little bit. Girls, you should respect and support and push the man that God gives you towards Christ-likeness. That is not what this woman is doing right here. She is nagging. She is selfish. She's deceitful. She betrays her own husband. I want to point out, this is not who God gave either of them. Clearly. They chose who was right for them, and now they're all suffering the consequences. She has her life and her family's life under threat, and he gets betrayed by his own by his own fiance. Look in verse eighteen. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Okay, I just want to start at the end there. Um, calling your wife a cow is as insulting in Hebrew as it is in English. So that's not, that's, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Samson is not a good man. He is not loving his wife. He is not putting her first. Um, there's no, there's no weird linguistic trick there. It's Literally, he just calls her a cow. So it's as, it's as bad as it sounds, okay? All right, but let's back up. Their response is, their response is, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? So what is sweeter than honey, than the eats, right? What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than the eater, than the lion? Okay, now here's the interesting part of this. You have to see how that these two phrases are designed to be answered. This question, what is sweeter than honey, should come out to, I don't know, what is sweeter than honey? But what is stronger than the lion? Clearly Samson is, because he ripped it apart. They know the whole story. They're saying, what's sweeter than honey? What is stronger than the lion? Clearly you are. And you're also sweeter than honey. told your wife everything. You buckled. Some strong man you are. Couldn't even stand up to a woman. This is an incredibly insulting and cutting response. They are making fun of him because, yeah, that's right. You buckled to your wife and she betrayed you. We now know everything. That response is very intentionally designed to embarrass and shame him. I want you to understand something. Being stuck at the end of that tunnel was an incredibly embarrassing and stupid moment in my life. When we sin and we go our own way, we get stuck in something that is stupid and embarrassing. We are bound to the dumbest things that we could ever have found. Instead of finding freedom in Christ, instead of going out the right tunnel and finding the exit and being in the light again, we get stuck. We get bound and we get embarrassed. God opposes the proud. You know the Bible says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled? This is what that looks like. This is the moment that someone who has chosen to be proud is embarrassed beyond belief in front of everyone. Because God is opposing him. He's in opposition to God's plan right now. Look in verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 men uh, and killed 30 men of them, and took what they were wearing and gave the outfits of clothes to those who, who told the riddle. and And his anger burned and he went up to his father's house. but Samson's wife, was given to his companion who had been his friend. Right. That's the right response. Listen, I want you to see something. God's will got accomplished. The the Ashkelon is a fortified Philistine city. And God let Samson use Samson's anger and his embarrassment and used him to to bring judgment on the Philistines, to cause a contention and a provocation. God is trying to shake up the status quo. The Israelites don't care that the Philistines are in charge. They're basically becoming Philistines. So God sends uh, Samson in this moment where he's been humbled, defeated essentially, and he sends him in his anger, and he begins to bring the judgment that, that Samson was always called to on the Philistines. And notice what Samson gets out of it. He ends up still furious and angry, and he doesn't even get the girl that he has had his sights on this entire time. She gets given away to a Philistine. No joy for Samson because he is trying to solve his own problem. And God's sovereign, so God is using this to his will. Let me ask you something Are you angry all the time? This is how I lived my life. Before I figured out that this was, that, that that this entire life is about loving God and loving others. I was angry constantly because I was constantly fighting for control. I was constantly trying to get my way. And when it didn't work out, it, it made me angry. Now, someone in here is going, uh, that's not me. No, you're the opposite. You're the person that is always woe is me. Well, nothing ever works out the way I want it to anyway. So I just won't try. That's no less prideful. It's the exact opposite response of the same root motivation. It's pride. It's control. And it, it, one leads us to an angry frustration and the, and the exact same opposite or the exact same emotion opposite response is just to go, well, nothing I do ever works out anyway. I guess I'll just give up, be sad about it. That's not letting go. That's not, uh, submitting to God's will. That's just having a pity party. But it's the same kind of pride. My way won't work, so I quit. Sin binds us to the path we've chosen. We get stuck and we get embarrassed. That's what happens when we know the way. Listen to me. You don't know the way. That's not the point. The whole Bible is that we don't know the way, that we cry out to God so that He can show us that we're constantly getting rid of what's right in our eyes, what's right for us, and that we're just chasing what God has, what He has for us. If Samson had been about what God was about in this story, whole different outcome for him. He's not left heartbroken, and he's not left angry. He actually gets to participate in what God is doing, and that would have brought him joy. You don't know the way. God opposes the proud and you don't have anything to offer. The whole point of Judges is that we need a king. We need an authority. We need someone to rule over us. I talked to somebody this weekend and and I listened to them talk about their life and their faith and essentially it boiled down to this. They've still got it under control. They believed in Jesus that's the initial part. And now that they believe in Jesus, they have it under control. They can, they can stand against the sin. They can resist temptation. They can find the right answers. I have to tell you that that is a counter-biblical message. The Bible is you need Jesus just as much today as you did the very first time you ever met Him. If you haven't met Him, you desperately need to meet Him. The point is you never stop needing Jesus Desperately. And if you in your life are still chasing your way and understanding that you have the way, I want to tell you that you're up for a lot of angry, embarrassing moments because that's all life is if you're not doing what God has, if you're not about His business. When we started the college class, first of all, there was about 10 of you, And I told you we were going to answer two questions. This class has never been about whether or not you take college classes. This class has always been about answering these two questions. Do I believe this? Do I actually believe this? And if I believe this, how do I live it? How do I live it? And you guys hear me say this a lot. Do you or do you not actually believe what the Word of God says? Well, the Word of God says that you don't know the way. That you need desperately Jesus to show you not just how to get to heaven, but everything between now and then. So my question for you is, do you actually believe that? Is that actually something that you have grappled with and submitted to that you don't have the answers? Not for now, not for later. And if you actually do believe that, Are you living it out? Are you seeking to humble yourself before an almighty and all-powerful God? Are you seeking His will in every single thing you do? Or did He just take care of that, you know, that someday when I die factor and now you got it until then? Because that is not believing on the Word of God and what it says about our entire lives. I want you guys to see that the book of Judges is, is a case study, one judge at a time, on how not to act. And if you are acting like Samson because you know what's right for you, you're going to end up like Samson, frustrated and alone and in opposition to God's will.